Welcome to Beer Me. I am your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you are new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So I'm very excited to welcome back to the show Anne Marisek. She is the Partnerships and Communications Manager for Maine Beer Company. Anne is a very dear friend of mine, but has also been a guest on the show previously. So Anne, first, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be back. Now, I was thinking back on the last time you were on the show And I think it was back in 2019, I was actually at the brewery. We were able to record on my little tiny Zoom device that does kind of look like a breathalyzer. And I was just thinking like, man, I would really love to be doing this interview actually at Maine Beer Company again, the happiest place on earth, drinking some delicious Maine beer. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We'll we'll bring you back. We'll We'll get there soon. And the last time I was there, everything was kind of under construction or kind of towards the end of construction because you had just gone through an expansion. You built on an event space. There was like a giant, gorgeous um, pizza oven that had been put together. Has everything like launched and successful and beautiful? And Oh, yeah. So in, um, in 2018, we opened the production part of that expansion, which was a whole new production space. Um, and then 2019, I think when we had last talked, um, on the show, it was before the tasting room had opened. Um, our tasting room had been a very, very tiny place. Um, when Dan and Dave Kleban opened the spot, um, in 2013, they really didn't think anyone would come to tasting rooms. And so had a really small spot thinking like, oh, you know, a handful of people will stop by, no big deal. And it really proved otherwise. So uh, in 2019, of March of 2019, we opened our full tasting room um, and it just gave us a ton more space. Um, we don't really have an event space per se. The entire area is really open, but we can section bits off um, for private groups. But Man, we were so lucky to have that space, especially after when the following year hit, because um, it really it allowed us uh, a lot of flexibility in terms of having both indoor and outdoor space um, as restrictions sort of ebbed and flowed throughout uh, COVID. And have you seen, you know, since people are kind of getting back out, you know, more and continuing to explore things, have you seen like a serious uptick in turnout this summer, especially, I mean, you are in Freeport, Maine, a little bit, um, outside of Portland, but still easy enough for people to get. Definitely. I think even like to say pandemic summer one, (laughs) um, we had a huge outdoor space that we opened to specifically create a comfortable and safe space. And we just saw tons of people coming to Maine, I think, because there is the emphasis on, being outdoors, enjoying the outdoors. So the past couple years have just been huge in our summers. We've, you know, just tons of people coming to visit and it's great that we're able to provide, you know, a space that people feel really comfortable in. And it's been great to see Maine get that level of attention. No, for sure. And I feel like 
you know, I, I haven't, I'm very sad to say this. I haven't been to Maine in a couple of years, which is very disappointing because it's one of the happiest places to be. But I feel like, and, and I know I mentioned that this is something maybe I wanted to talk about at the end of the show, but I'm kind of flipping everything on its head like I usually do. Um, but so, you know, it's interesting over the years, every time I've gone to Maine, I feel like, especially in the Portland area, all the breweries that are there and you have so many amazing breweries, they've all kind of been just a smidgen ahead of the curve as far as trends go. Like, you know, Oxbow kind of had that like Cezanne and Barrel Age program just a little bit before everyone else. And then, you know, you started to see kind of the rise of the New England IPAs and and then, you know, you've got Maine Beer Company with these like beautiful, like sessionable ales, pilsners and stuff like that. So everyone's just kind of like a smidgen ahead of the curve in Maine. I'm going to just draw that line in the sand and get the backlash where I will. But <laughs> um, what are you seeing now as far as the beer scene goes? Because like, like I said, I've, I haven't been there in a couple of years and I feel like I've, I'm not quite with it at all. Well, to help you with the backlash, I do think some of that has to do with the fact that you do have a lot of uh, food and beverage professionals who are moving here from other parts of the U.S., uh, so they've seen some of the trends, they've seen this bigger picture, uh, but they've also seen, you know, things that inspire them and they're moving to Maine and getting things started. Uh, so there's that that I think kind of can account for some of that cutting edge beer world. Uh, but also the fact that we are a little bit separate from everybody else, we're a little farther away. Uh, I think it gives people a chance to really experiment with some things. Um, and some of that is uh, like, you know, necessity of invention. You're, you're seeing people try different ingredients because they're really interested in local. So they're trying ingredients that are either native to Maine or you see like grain programs. Um, there are so many really fantastic things going on with malt here in Maine. The Aroostook County, which is the largest county in the state, is known for potatoes, but the cover crop of potatoes is barley. And there's been this big push in the past, I would say, like five to eight years of getting potato growers to convert that cover crop to brewer-grade barley. Um, what they're using now wouldn't be used for beer, but making that switch, it's giving these farmers you know, profitable, profitable crops year-round. But there's such a demand for local grain and it's really exciting. You know, I would say Allagash, Bissell, us have all played a big role in helping, you know, create a market for that. But so many of the smaller breweries throughout the state are using almost exclusively main grown grain. That's really exciting. That is really exciting. We've, and shameless plug, we've done a, a handful of recent shows about malt and the growth of artisanal grain. We specifically focused on the state of New York in these previous shows, but yeah, Maine has, and 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 going back to your point, like not only does it help the farmers be profitable year round if they're using a cover crop, but it's much better for the soil as far as soil recovery and you know more thoughtful agricultural practices and stuff like that. So, and long term, it helps us reduce a little bit of that footprint because we're getting grain from a closer location than importing it from the Midwest. We still use, um, you know, Midwest producers for the bulk of our grain because of the amounts that we uh, that we need. But it's been so exciting to work with places like Blue Ox Malt House, Maine Malt House, 
uh, and just see the really interesting things that they're doing. There's, you know, the, the Main Grain Alliance is just doing some really creative things and creating good links between brewers, farmers, but also bakers and, you know, all these people throughout the state. So I want to dip into innovation a little bit because with Maine Beer Company, like you guys have produced amazing IPAs over the years. And really, you could just sit back and just make amazing IPAs and just, you know, call it a day and, you know, sit on that. Um, But I feel like you all are under the mindset of that endless reinvention. So I've seen over the past couple of years, new styles and, and, you know, a lot of fun projects come out or one-off things. I know you have a really robust pilot program, but you had specifically wanted to talk about the Black Barn program, correct? Yeah. So our, our Black Barn program stems from the pilot program. Uh, I think a lot of breweries have that sort of thing, but we wanted to kind of give it a name and, um, you know, make it its own unique thing. Um, if you know anything about the history of our company, Daniel and David Kleban were very, very focused on, you know, our, our motto of do what's right really extends to all aspects of the company. And when they started brewing, they did one recipe and that was Peeper. And they did it over and over and over again until they had it perfect. And then they kept brewing it over and over and over again, making sure that it was the same every single time. And that kind of relentless pursuit of perfection has, you know, resulted in the number of beers that we do. Uh, we really focus on getting things right, uh, making sure that, you know, when you order that peeper, when you order that lunch, it's going to taste exactly how you expect it. You know, it's going to taste the same every time. And a lot of that we owe to our, um, our QIQC program. Uh, we have about five people working in our lab who are just testing at every stage of the process, uh, making sure that that beer is perfect. We also have a full sensory program. Um, all of our staff are trained uh, to identify true to target, but also we do sensory training, identifying off flavors, um, just get, making sure everybody's really clear on that. But part of all of this is the R&D program, um, and with that, the Black Barn program, and Paul Aho, one of our brewers, uh, leads that. And so he's brewing these very small batch beers. And anyone who works here can come to him with a recipe and we try it out. Um, we play around with different styles, different ingredients, um, just different processes sometimes of like where and when you add different things. Um, and it's a cool chance for our staff to get involved and be like, I love grisette. I want to brew a grisette. And um, so we're, we're doing a lot of things and then all of this gets tasted by our staff. And as a, if a beer really hits and everybody's super excited about it, we do a few more and it goes through about five stages of testing. And if something has done really well, it becomes a black barn program beer. Um, and with that, you know, yeah, we still do some IPAs. We still do some double IPAs. We do some hop forward lagers, but you know, that is what we love to drink and we brew what we love to drink. But mixed in that, we've got, uh, we just released an alt beer, which is tasting phenomenal. Um, we've done a Irish dry stout. Uh, we've done a Baltic porter. Uh, there's been a cream ale. There's, you know, a blonde's coming out. Uh, 
you know, sneak peek, we're going to have a barley wine this winter. Uh, so it's been a really exciting, <laughs> yeah, it's been a really exciting thing to um, play around with. And it really gets the staff excited, but much like everything we do, you know, these are, a lot of these are one-offs, but if something really hits and really resonates with not only staff, but customers, there's a chance that it will come, that will move on to be a full-time beer. Um, probably best example of that is Prince Percy or Pilsner. Um, you know, we are, we are IPA and pale ale, like ale yeast all the way, but we started messing around with lagers and it's just like, Oh, this is really good. <laughs> oh, this is really good. So that went through two black barn iterations and we were just like, we just kept tweaking it. And finally we really landed on a recipe that we liked and could repeat. And that became a full-time brand. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, the, the like imagine the bragging rights, right? Like if you were an employee and you've come up with this really amazing recipe and, and then it, you know, carries on. I mean, that's, it, that's irreplaceable. You can't, can't beat that. Yeah. It's really exciting. And you also get to see how creative our staff are. And it's not just brewers. It's not just production. It is, you know, people from all parts of the brewery, you know, can have that role. Well, given some of our brewers are really, really talented that uh, I keep coming back to the alt beer, but man, that's what I was drinking last night. And it's just really beautiful, um, a little bit more malt heavy, uh, but just still light and refreshing. And it was kind of a perfect summer night beer last night. Yeah. I'm really jazzed for this barley. I'm really jazzed for this (laughs) barley wine situation because when I... When I think of main beer company, like it's the last style that I would associate with with you all. But I feel like you know, main beer is making it, so it's going to be good. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Very true. Thank you. So, <laughs> with this program, you had brushed on your you know quality control. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, a couple shows ago, we had Merritt Waldron on. Um, he's actually uh, works in at Baxter. Um, as a quality director um, in Maine, but, you know, he came out with this book, Quality Labs for Small Brewers, Building a Foundation for Great Beer. And we, you know, kind of dug in about how important uh, quality control is and how important it is to get everybody on your staff trained in sensory evaluation and why that makes such a big difference. And I think I even referenced Maine Beer during that show because I remember um, when you were kind of showing me around, like you have very, you even have like a dedicated space. You encourage people to, I mean, I'm, I don't want to tell your story, but you know, like tell, can you tell the listeners why, you know, what's gone into that and why this is such an important part of your culture? Yeah. Like, um, like I said, you know, we want, we want that beer to taste perfect. We are checking it at every single stage of the process. So, our, our QAQC team is seriously like taking samples off of uh, tanks throughout the entire phase or in, in the entire brewing process. Um, we are checking it when it's been bottled, when it's been kegged. We keep um, beer aside so that we can, you know, sort of check longevity. You know, is this holding up to the the date codes that we're giving it, and you know the the time recommended to drink it. Um, storing it cold, storing it warm, you know, kind of checking all of those things because if something goes wrong, we need to know exactly where to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, That's why if you look at any of our bottles, you'll see the batch, um, 
the date that it was bottled on and the time. So we're at the point where if something is wrong, we can identify like exactly the time that it was, you know, that it came off the line. So we know like something happened in this period. If the ones before it were good or the ones after, you know, you can really pinpoint it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and you know, they're so good at what they do, but, um, with the sensory side of things, it's really important because, um, you, you don't really always know, like, you know, our lab team can only do so much, but, you know, making sure that our tasting room, making sure that, you know, any of our staff know what that beer is supposed to taste like, can identify off flavors, know that true to target for each brand. If we're, you know, if we're out drinking, you know, at a bar and something tastes off, we're going to know, and we're going to be able to flag it right away and get that problem fixed. Um, and that's super important for us. Uh, but it's also interesting because people have very different tastes, um, you know, male, female, different ages. Um, you're going to identify different things. And some people are going to be like, like, I'm very good at recognizing trans which is, um, it's going to be that like cardboardy papery flavor. Um, don't know why, but that one like triggers for me and I can taste it a mile away, but someone else is going to be you know, very, very attuned to, um, diacetyl and, you know, by getting this that movie sort of, popcorn flavor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Getting that, uh, sort of consensus from your staff of with each beer that we release, you can see, you know, Hey, 10 people flagged this. Something is, something is not right here and we can catch it before it ever goes out to the public. Um, but it, and especially one of, I think something that's really fascinating to me is, you know, with two years of COVID messing with our sense of taste and smell, it's really interesting to see, um, what, what things you lose or suddenly are super sensitive to. Um, I had, you know, I had something that just kept tasting off and I kept dinging it and everybody's like, yeah, the beer is totally fine. This is actually just you. And so I had to readjust kind of what my parameters were um, based on knowing that something something had changed in how I tasted our beer. And then just last week it went away. I was like, yes, <laughs> everything tastes good again. <laughs> no, it's absolutely bizarre. And I'm I'm pregnant. And so I feel like I'm a super smeller. You know, I was doing some beer evaluations a couple of weeks ago and I was like, man, I feel like I have a superpower right now because I'm picking up on smells that I would never otherwise pick up. And I was like, this is cool. I hope this doesn't go away of all the symptoms that I have dealt with. But like, seriously, you change and you have to kind of like continue to reevaluate. But the thing that I, I really appreciate, so like quality control is one thing where you can kind of really zero in on anything that might happen, you know, to go wrong within the walls of the brewery. But as soon as you get out of the brewery, you've got, you know, how are, how is your beer being handled on delivery trucks? How is your beer being stored in um, establishments? How is it being served with the beer lines? Are they clean? Chances are no, you know, like what is everything else is just so out of your control. And that is the, that is the daunting part for, I think for any brewer. And we do a lot. We work with our distributors, our, our territory managers do a great job of, you know, checking on our beers in the market. And, you know, we really encourage places that carry our beer to make sure that they're maintaining their lines. Uh, but 
man, you can't really say enough how valuable it is that, you know, someone from the tasting room or one of our packaging team or, you know, anyone happens to be out at a bar and knows how a beer is supposed to taste. And they can be like, Hey, and call up a territory manager, but could you check this place? Um, and I think, you know, it's not to call out bars or restaurants at all, but it's to help make all of us better. And it's, you know, something we take really seriously. So we want, we want good beer out there and we, you know, we definitely work and are trying to do better with educating people about how to store our beer, uh, how long they should keep our beer. Nothing breaks my heart more when I hear someone say, I, you know, when you get an email in July and they're like, I got a, I bo- got a bottle of lunch for Christmas and I've been saving it for a special occasion. Um, but it says it was, it was bottled in, uh, the beginning of December. Is it still good? It's like, won't make you sick, but it's not going to taste how it should. And, you know, encourage people. I think Aliash did a great job with their, uh, drink it now, <laughs> uh, day. And I think it's a reminder, Hey, if you find that special occasion because, some beers, you just shouldn't hold on to them that long. And that just breaks my heart. I mean, I remember, I forget where it was. There was some store in DuPont in D.C. who would always get a hold of some main beer, but it would always be stored in like the most precarious way. And they'd hang on to these bottles for so long. And you'd you'd see like, you know, oh, whoa, there's lunch, you know, main beer company lunch right here. And then you'd look at the date and you're like, oh, this is, this is nine months old. <laughs> We work really hard to try and make sure that's not happening. No, um, yeah, you know, and I think I think our territory managers and uh, our distributors do a really great job of you know reminding people like we want this fresh. We want you know we want to make sure you're getting the freshest beer. We want to make sure that our customers are getting the fresh beer. It's a win for everybody when that works. Yeah, I mean, and anytime, anytime there's any kind of main beer on on draft, you always get very excited. But yeah, in this moment, listeners, PSA, drink it now. So, you know, I, I always bring the conversation back and I can't help myself. And I think we, the mo- we last time we talked, we mostly just talked about, you know, all the wonderful programs you do for your employees. But I have to touch on this because, you know, you've got this really great uh, Black Barn program where you get um, staff involved and staff empowered, sensory, sensory evaluation, like everything that you do to empower and, you know, craft that really amazing staff experience, you know, is there anything in the past couple of years that you guys have added to, or I just feel like it's such a big part of your, your culture and your, and your ethos. I think, um, and you know, most businesses can say this, um, over the past two years, there's been a lot of conversation about what employers are doing for their employees. And while we, you know, really pride ourselves in doing a good job, everybody can always do better. And so that's something that we've been having some really good conversations about. I think it's important to point out, we are incredibly lucky. Our company seems to attract people who are are very like-minded in terms of commitment to the environment, um, commitment to great beer. Uh, But I've got to say, you know, looking around at our staff, we're, we have some really impressive, fascinating individuals and, it's so cool to learn more about each one of them and, you know, kind of what they're bringing to the table. So I think we've been been doing a lot to really encourage our staff to be engaged, to share with us what they do. 
we just added uh, VTO volunteer time off um, as one of our benefits. Um, you know, we have, a, like I said, staff who are very passionate about, you know, a lot of the work that we do for uh, with 1% for the planet and uh, protecting the environment. Uh, but we wanted to find a way to encourage people to take that even further, uh, to do to do more. Um, so that that is a benefit that we've added. Um, we have our staff scholarship program, which is um, each month they can nominate a 1% for the planet nonprofit that they're passionate about. Um, and whoever is uh, nominated each month, they get $1,000 to give to that nonprofit. Uh, so we have, you know, our bigger programs that our company really cares about. And a big goal is, you know, bringing the staff in, making sure that they're involved and engaged. And, you know, it's a it's an ongoing process, but we're, you know, we're, we're doing our best to, you know, show our staff how much we do really value their opinions and, uh, you know, the these skills and, you know, interesting backgrounds they, they bring to what we do. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I feel like, you know, over the years, it's just continued to be such a big priority for, for you all. And it definitely kind of shows, shines through in the product, but also, you know, in the experience when you're at the brewery, like even if you're just having a short interaction with somebody who's pouring you a beer, like the excitement, like just kind of radiates through that person, like regardless of who you're talking to. So, um, you know, another PSA is if you do have the opportunity, it is definitely well worth the trip to, uh, to go to main beer company <laughs> in person. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, our, our staff are awesome across the board in every department, but I think most people get to engage with the tasting room and man, they're, it's like a, it's a great team. Um, looking at the folks that we have over there right now, it's, they're running a tight ship and, but doing so with, you know, a lot of passion and excitement behind the work they do. Oh, that's, that is awesome. Well, Anne, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join the show today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always good to talk to you and can't wait to, you know, get you a barley wine for uh, after the baby. <laughs> I am. I'm very excited for that. I have a list of of beers to uh, enjoy once I'm uh, awesome. <laughs> done with this with this portion of the uh, you know childbearing. Um, well, thank you all so much for listening in. Definitely, if you have the opportunity, check out Main Beer Company. Otherwise, try to get your hands on some in your area. Uh, this has been an episode of Beer Me. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beermeradio at gmail.com. We are available anywhere you get podcasts. Please like, subscribe, give all the stars, and we will catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.